0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast with our incredible partners and sponsors, Najahi Events. Now, don't check out Najahi Events right now. Go check out the Najahi Tribe. If you're sat at home and you're struggling because you can't go to work, Now is the time to take to learn something, learn a new skill, learn more about yourself. Maybe it's spirituality. Maybe it's something in your career that you could do to develop yourself. Najahi Tribe have hundreds of awesome coaches there, and you can go and get some great content for them. So go check it out, Najahi Tribe. Right, on today's show, how about let's talk ourselves to a CEO with 14,000 employees. Want to know what he's going to say about Corona? Cue the music. today's episode we have the incredible David Stockton. He's been here in Dubai for some time but managing 14,000 employees, the CEO of Dolsco. David thank you very much for coming to the show sparing your time. I know you're a busy guy. I really appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome Spencer. So you're a podcast veteran? Uh, I'm afraid I am. Um, Always useful to get some insights from others and uh, listen and learn obviously.
0: So tell us about yourself. Obviously, there's an audience out there that let's deal with the order of the day. I could talk all about your career and your life, but I'm not. I'm scrapping that. We've got to deal with COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Give me a CEO's perspective on it, please.
1: So, look, I I, I guess, you know, the sort of characteristics of what we're all going through at the moment, um, I guess, you know, how do you epitomise it? Uh, We're all in the same storm, but we're just on different boats. Uh, and going in different directions. Uh, and I think from, from our point of view, and from my point of view, um, that characteristic that you know, I like to think we're trying to achieve is proactiveness, resilience, and transparency. When you've got that many staff, you've got to be absolutely transparent with what we're all going through, we've got to be resilient. And key to all of this from the very beginning or before was being proactive. Where are where we gonna get to? Where are we gonna um, come from? And where are we gonna end up? And that for me is pretty damn critical.
0: When you look at the pandemic, when it started in its early stages over in Wuhan, were you already extremely concerned or were you like many other people sitting there thinking, yeah, that probably won't affect us?
1: So, look, I know, not trying to sound like Nostradamus or conspiracy theories, but I've been in aviation for sort of 18 years of my life in different forms. And, you know, it doesn't take a genius to work out that when something happens in one part of the world with mass air travel there is always going to be a chance that that's, that's happening elsewhere could end up you know where you are or where you're trying to get to. Um, I had some personal uh, challenges with my with my mother who was diagnosed with, with, with cancer at the beginning of the year so I flew back and forward to the UK and was very aware of you know, the mask syndrome that was going around um, to ensure that you know people were staying safe so from from my point of view and from our business point of view, you could sort of see to what level unknown, but certainly something had the potential to, to kick off. Um, so making sure we were setting our priorities within our business, you know, first of all, people, because we're a people-intensive business. Uh, we've got a duty to the communities that we look after. Um, so our you know health and safety, our welfare, and all that sort of empathy that comes with you know looking after to, to your product, which is with our um, with our staff. Uh, our clients were going to start to be affected at some point in either, you know, small or large scales. But I don't think, you know, anybody had any indication of just how big and how fast this could change. And I keep, you know, saying to, the, to my kids and the, my wife, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we're seeing all of that every single day. This thing changes and metamorphizes so quickly that, you know, we've all got to be prepared and, and ready really for it. Um, so yeah it 's been a it 's been a, a massive learning expert uh, experience as well
0: When you look at your business it 's uh employing so many people does it does it cover many different industries or are you focused on one particular area i mean waste management 's a big part of what you do isn 't it
1: It is, but it 's probably only th- you know thirty percent of of what we do i mean you knowdulsco is eighty five years old so You know, it's been around before the, you know, the UAE was formed. It was, you know, it was Dubai. It was very much built on the creek and stevedoring. So our our main two verticals are really uh, uh, people. And those are then sub-verticals within that people of um, our our manpower, um, our white-collar work uh, and our um, temporary uh, employment. And then there's our waste management, which is split between uh, commercial and industrial. Um, So, you know, we we are affected by... All forms of, of business change, and positive, and negative, um, but it's really bringing that utilisation of all, all of our activities and all of our opportunities and our staff into the need of the hour, uh, and that happened, you know, pretty much early on when when the government decided to start to look at, you know, how can they start to change and. Um, sanitize the areas where we are so we repurposed very quickly three of our tankers into mass sprayers uh, which have you know continued to spray all sorts of places and and products around around Dubai Um, in the early days of when (coughs) we saw restrictions starting to happen and I think that's that's the agility you know and you talk about pivoting on on your show Uh, that's the I think the opportunity of of an agile company to actually support you know the communities that we all live and work in as well
0: we assume that the kind of the big beasts out there, the behemoths like your organization would find it very hard to turn on a penny and use that word pivot. How, how easy has it been to get the, the teams within your organization to really you know, rally and get themselves organized to move in those types of directions? Has it been, as a leader, has that been a, a big challenge for you or something that because you've got great people, it's not been a challenge?
1: Look, I, it's the sort of thing that, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, we don't say we enjoy the, the situations we'll find ourselves in, but, you know, you, you come at the hour, you come with the people and you, you, you step up to what's needed to do. And, you know, to be fair, I think, because we are a, a large family business, because we've been here, and we've got structured ways of doing things. And perhaps they're, you know, they are that agile, and we have to get on and do and we're not you know, we're not governed by having to report to second, third and fourth countries. We get on, we make decisions, we talk to the shareholders and say we want to do X, Y and Z, and we get on and do it. And to be fair, you know, the teams have been coming with ideas. Not every idea comes from one single person, whether that's the top, the middle or the bottom, it's, it's throughout the organisation. So I was really proud and pleased to see that the teams were coming forward with some cracking thoughts and ideas and then just formulating that very quickly. I think, you know, the use of technologies helped us and we were, you know, I'd say not in the dark ages, but we were definitely not where we wanted to be technology wise. That changed literally overnight and we were able to go mobile within 48 hours of every person that was traditionally in the office was equipped through their laptops, um, teams set up, you know, the ability to dial in onto all of our systems was done which meant we could effectively make change much, much quicker than perhaps we had done previously, given the remoteness of a number of people around, around
0: the UAE. When you think about that and lots of businesses, they've, they've, they've had to use speed as a real tool. And it, it, that speed of change and that trying to run businesses in a different way, I think, I think it opens up. Um, a lot of business owners and a lot of CEOs to understand that maybe there may have been some, some, some sluggish ways about what was being done or some, maybe some money being spent in areas that wasn't being spent as tightly for, from an efficiency point of view. Because there's so many companies I know that it's literally lightning speed to get stuff done. I'll give you an example. One of the companies I own is called Safe Hands. And Safe Hands is a first-stage training and corporate wellness business. And so we have a bunch of nurses that work for us that go to companies, schools around the UAE and give first-aid lessons, training in first aid. And obviously that will stop to the moment that the the lockdown came in. And so the the nurses, uh, I'd been asking for nine months to start putting all of the courses they do online. And so put them online, we'll be out of a digital format, we can run those remotely, those courses will work just fine. And the girls are like, yeah, well, you, know, you know, I don't like being on camera, I don't, you know, I'm not comfortable with it, you know, my hair is not right, and so do you know Spencer, I'd rather not. And so we had to have a conversation with him the other day, it was like, right, this is, the, this is the conversation. It's there's two choices, okay? There's make this online, make videos, and produce this content and we'll put it online, or the alternative is redundancy, and this is not a joke. So what would you like? within 48 hours everything had been filmed everything had been edited and everything was uploaded online in something that took us nine months to try and convince them to do and so whether there's the kind of like the threat of someone being made redundant or worse okay an SME going out of business okay people have been able to move really really quickly into moving into other areas and the ones that haven't unfortunately right now are looking to be in a very precarious position
1: absolutely look, I think you know, if you, if you can absolutely move where you want to be, uh, as I said at the beginning, where are we now, where do we want to be, where, we, where do we want to come out of this, then we can absolutely accelerate what I think we're all trying to do. Um, that is often, I think, the biggest challenge. This has almost enabled um, businesses and people to take different decisions. Uh, I think the example you gave, and I would add one around signatories, um, signatories and contractual sign-offs has been the bane of everyone's life with the, what I call the magical stamp. If you've got a stamp you're important and therefore you know you, you control that whole process and it bugs the hell out of me when you discover that you've got 37 stamps which means there's 37 really important people um, that can't get through that process so
0: digitalizing and, and enabling there, people from around the world won't get what we're talking about here
1: <laughs> <No>.
0: <laughs> so those of you that are listening that are not based here in the UAE in Dubai I'm watching this okay we have this system in the UAE where where documents have to be signed but they must have a company stamp on them and whoever's in charge of the company stamp of that department stamp or whatever it might be is, has got all of the power because without it you're in trouble so uh, the fact that Dave is mentioning that's quite funny because obviously I've been here 15 years and that stamp's been a bane of my life 50 years too. <laughs> Sorry carry
1: on David. Well no you're absolutely right and I think it's that it's the multiple levels of, of, of signatures even though ultimately you know from the you know delegation of authority you you know who's allowed to sign and who can't sign on behalf of your owners um, but that doesn't stop you know the layers of uh, of people that like to sign with this stamp so being able to digitalize contractual and, and signatures thing and finding a digital stamp now um, which is absolutely brilliant, but it's still you 're still having to deal with some people that you know are, are, are difficult to let go, but uh, for me that 's been an enormous step forward, um, which I think will only add masses of benefit as we as we continue through this
0: when we look at the the fact that you and I are sitting here on zoom and using it willy nilly you know. Like, like, like it existed forever. We, we didn't have access to this tool just a few weeks ago and I've got access to it and part of me thinks, well, we stuck in the dark ages for a long time and we have to understand there's rules and regulations and stuff, but the rest of the world has had access to this for a long time. And to see to see it being freely used over here, it's just given us a world of opportunity to be able to get stuff done. You know, you're sat at home right now, the CEO of a massive organization. I'm sat at home as well here. Okay, producing what we're producing right now for you. Is is, is it going to change how you think about your day to day role? You're going to work from home a bit more often, see the kids a bit more often. Do you think your staff will do that and will you encourage it?
1: I, I think we probably will, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough in my early part of the career, I, you know, I was working from home and, you know, the results were if you didn't get off your um, outside, go outside and start doing things in a commercial role, then the results spoke for themselves. So you're naturally driven, naturally, you know, and I, but I, one thing I used to do was long for that social interactivity once a month when the teams all got together to brag board and talk about what's going on. Um, I still think that can be done. I think we can be far more aware of, of, of the needs of, of individuals and of collectives um, as we come through this, I think it will allow us to communicate more openly, uh, quickly and avoid that sort of multi-tier dissemination of information. So you start with a group of people you tell a story to and the old Chinese whispers happens and it works all the way down and the story is completely changed by the time we get to the bottom. Um, and I think this will enable us to, to negate all of that and actually you know, negate potentially how and why we do certain things because this use of technology i think will drive other areas if it's been successful in comms it's been successful in decision making and reporting why can't we use it in many many other areas and i think it will really accelerate you know whether that's artificial intelligence you know back to the old stamp and receiving of time cards and someone has to look at it and someone has to look at it again and again well let's let's move to digitalization let's look at how we geofence how we adapt you know how we're working and really change the whole process which will i think allow more people to, to offer more services and more solutions to people than they've ever done before that's that's my view
0: okay interesting now you're you're a ceo and a lot of people sitting here they would think oh man what a great position he's in he's a big boss and a big company and done very well for himself i i know you trained as an accountant is that correct
1: uh, no i didn't actually i'm going to really shock you now and I'm, uh, apologies that someone told me that, but actually my beginning was I was a chef. Never. Yep. Um, back in the
0: day, I was uh,
1: a <laughs> trained I went...
0: one day for me and they're both trained as chefs. Really? Wow. <laughs> yes. Tyrone Reed, the CEO of Alabar Enterprises, I interviewed earlier. He trained as a chef too. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's you know, a long time ago, but what it taught me was, was great values of, of customer. Uh, uh, damned hard work for very little pay. Um, and uh, you know, ultimately, uh, that drive and determination to create a best solution or a best product, because you got one chance to impress people, and you want them to come back. Uh, and some of the great learnings of the people I worked with was, was was fantastic. And you know, that's what made me then ultimately come away from it, because I saw there was two worlds: there was uh, the cheap and cheerful, which I wasn't in, and there was the ultimate luxury, high end. Um, and I thought there was no middle ground. So I used to see all these great uh, ladies and gents coming uh, every weekend for, for wonderful meals with nice cars in the car park, but all had weekends off. And I didn't. I thought, I fancy a bit of that. So I went into the commercial world. Um, so and, how did you make
0: that transition?
1: Um, I went to work for, for Cadbury at the time, actually, as a trainee sales rep. And um, I, uh, I worked my way up in, uh, in what was Cadbury Typhoon, we were a management buyout from Cadbury, um, then joined another big food company. So the sort of common theme here was food. Um, then took a year off to travel around the world with my wife uh, for a year um, before we had kids um, then came back and joined BA for 10 years um, where I headed their global, global F&B program um, and then went into private equity companies uh, again around aviation and, and uh, food and service um, till I joined the world's largest security company um, before I turned up at Dolsco three and a half years ago
0: and so, when you when you think about those those decisions that you've made along the along the way with your career, what 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 was the best decision you made, and, and what was the decision that you made maybe that you could have, if you had your time again, you might have made a different one.
1: I think that, look, the best decision I made was uh, was asking my wife out on a date when I was a chef, uh, <laughs> you know, and some thirty years later, we're you know we're we're still together, um, two great kids. Um, I guess the career things of often have been made for you Um, you know you do the job to your best of your ability and um, you have an idea about perhaps what you want to do but then you get good people around you and good mentors supporting you that actually see something perhaps you can't see so you know sort of wood from trees and I think every decision has been made that I've made when I've either been offered or gone for something is because I'm genuinely interested in what I do and I, I call it the Blackpool Rock Syndrome Uh, You snap your half and you can see the brand within you. Um, I haven't had that in every place I've ever worked. Uh, I do now. Um, And it's it's something that I tell people, you've got to believe in what the hell you are doing. You've got to believe in the people you're working with. And if they're not the right people you're working with, it will be a reflection on you. So do something about it. And, And that's, I guess, you know, I call it, you've got a lot of secret soldiers. You know, there's a lot of people working with you. And that key is with you, not for you, not against you, if they're against you, deal with it. But they've got to be working with you, almost a, you know, that secret society, the power of the invisible.
0: Okay, let's just move back to this, 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 this company that you run here. I want to just talk to you about mental health for a while. Okay, just yeah. a few minutes on that. There's 14,000 people. Now there'll be an extract of everyone. There'll be the guy that's living on his own in a one bedroom apartment, there'll be the lady that's living on her own, there'll be the guy that's living in a shared accommodation and vice versa, there'll be the family with kids, there's a lot, a lot of stress being put on a lot of families right now and a lot of people right now having to work from home. And, you know, if if I, if honestly, if I was living in a, in a, in a one bedroom apartment on my own and had done for the last 30 days, I don't even know where my head would be at. You know, it's tough enough and I'm very lucky to live where I am, but it's tough enough with, with the environment that I'm in. How do you, how do you deal with that as a business? How do you take care of your employees from that perspective knowing that when they they come out obviously there'll be a big sigh of relief for people but there's there's also going to be some people that have uh, that have gone through some challenges and then I'm sure I'm not suggesting for one minute your business but whether it's furloughing and redundancies and stuff like that there's lots of people out there that are going to be facing big challenges
1: no you're absolutely right and you know mental health is something that I personally believe a hell of a lot in I was very honest and transparent of some Challenges that you know I've been through, family members have been through, and I, I speak openly to uh, to my team about it. Um, we've we've invested as a business uh, into mental health with 14,000 staff. You know, you look at the demographics of some of that staff, and you know, if if one person commits suicide globally every 43 seconds, uh, that's a horrific statistic, and they're predominantly male, horrific statistic, uh, and they certainly have a higher proportion coming from. A lot of the demographics that live and, and work over in in the UAE and, and, the, and the Middle East so it's something that we all have a part to play um, as a business again you know investing in in welfare officers and we have a great lady leading our welfare team that actively engages um, we've also supported our staff with with life work so we've taken membership of life work so that everybody has access 24-7 Um, to talk about mental health Uh, it's really really difficult for some people but I'm a great believer in leading from the front if you can tell people perhaps how some days it affects you some weeks months and tell them some of the stories that perhaps you've been through there's more openness to be sharing uh, what's going on and it's been a stigma I think for far far too long so it's vitally important that people know it's okay to talk about it. it's okay to say I need some time out um, and and no questions asked Um, Here's some pointers of where you can go. Um, Again, communication, transparency, openness is key to everybody. And on my town hall this morning or the virtual town hall this morning, I said, let's talk about the elephant in the room, everybody. You know, I know you can't all talk back, but we've done everything we can so far. And I'm avoiding everything I can to not have to, to lay people off or to take a salary sacrifice. I made that choice personally, my choice in February, because I felt something was coming. And I knew that if I do it then everyone else will understand if it comes there's a reason for doing so and that has you know an effect on everybody by actually letting them understand that we all know what we're trying to go through and if we get to that point we cannot stop it from happening we'll be transparent about it and when and we'll give a timeline for when and how long and how it's under review and that to me is part of mental health it's not shocking people it's not giving them no choice. It's not giving them any way through. It's giving them an opportunity to understand why, what and how. And, you know, I think a balance of external support, intel support, mass communication to everybody so they understand what's going on will be a great help. And and it's something we're we're going to continue with. We can't underestimate um, the work that the welfare team does in in our organisation anyway.
0: Do you think the employees, when they get back to work, might just value each other a bit more and value the sense of community a little bit more because they've they've been pulled or torn away from it for that period of time I really hope so
1: you know I really really hope so as I said at the beginning you know we're all in the same storm just on different boats um, I think a lot of those boats are coming more and more together um, I don't think we're heading for a, you know, in my opinion a, a perfect storm I do think that and, and I hope and pray that when we come through all of this there will be so much more focus on on the community and doing things for each other rather than for yourself. You know, I've always tried to bring the values, my wife and I with the kids, of want and need. You know, everybody wants something, but do you actually need it? Uh, and as you go through society of seeing people's views on, on life, I hope that this changes a lot of people. And I think here, you know, is a very transient nature of people. Uh, and we see people coming and going. You know, we're here and have been here for the long term, so we're not going anywhere. Uh, I think a lot of people that come and work here fall in love with the place and, and stay, uh, as we're a testament to doing that. And I think when we come through it, we'll see a lot more, I hope, but I do believe we'll see a lot more people
0: far happier with each other and what they've got rather than what they want. Mm, that's a really good point. Okay, last couple of questions. Economy. Yeah. We can see 22 million people, I think it is the latest numbers of unemployed in the United States. We can also see some protests out on the street in the States as well with some some tweets from Donald Trump suggesting that the the governors should uh, let people get back out there and get back on with their jobs. Um, After him saying, I'm in charge of the country and then someone reminded him that he wasn't in charge of every state. We've seen um, the numbers Shoot up in the in the UK as well, and for sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be unemployed in Italy and France and Spain etc. In the oncoming weeks and months, it's 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 been said that it's this pandemic is the worst thing ever. It's you know unprecedented, but I've been around for a while as you have too, and I think I heard that said as well in 2008. It's unprecedented, which it was. I remember when the internet bubble burst in 2001. Uh, I was literally working with people in companies who the the secretaries and the receptionists on the front desk thought they were millionaires on paper because of the value of the stocks within their businesses. I remember, um, as you will remember, Black Monday in 1987 in the UK where the stock market crashed. We've been through. Recessions before we've been through a recession that was bigger than all other recessions since the Great Depression as they described it last time before are you Fearful or what is your opinion on what you think as a, as a business leader is going to happen to the economy first of all here and globally as well?
1: Look, um, I think, you know, let's deal with here first our our economy that we live in and and, and work in and support and and, you know look to to share with is is built you know has been built on hydrocarbons and obviously on on aviation you know aviation accounts for what 29% of the GDP Um, so the sooner the better that you know both ends of the country's aviation can start to pick up again and I think that's never going to change the thirst for the human spirit to to travel Uh, you can't look at everything on the internet so There is a want and a need, in my view, to be able to go and smell and touch and feel and experience all of these different cultures that, you know, at the moment, nobody can. So at some point, that's going to come back. Um, When that is, I hope it's in the shorter term, because I think as the world gets to grips with with all of this and, you know, there there is more segmentation of positive and negative and vaccine and uh, herd immunity and Um, antibodies you know whatever it is, the professionals are all doing to be able to ensure we get through this I do think as we come through it we've got the potential then to sort of see rise and falls as we do every year with with other um, you know viruses be it flus be it whatever uh, and we've been through it with other things so I think there will be a continuing effect on the economy of, of nervousness and scared but I think on the positive there'll also be an upside of people saying you know what I'm getting on with it because I I, I need to go and do, I need to go and see, I need to go and feel and touch. And also on the back of that, there will be businesses that will, you know, work with um, industries to be able to say, I'm going to help you try and control whatever this thing is by, you know, whether that's sanitization, whether that's cleaning, whether that's product development of, of, of pharmaceuticals or whatever. So we're going to have a, in my view, a direct need of people talking to each other, working with each other, distributing whatever it is that we need to be distributed so I think we will you know whether it's the v the u the curves I think it's it, it's too difficult to to call that and there's far more intelligent people than me that can that can come up with that practically from our point of view in in the UAE I I think we you know we're going through we're going through a blip we've been hit heavy of you know with a two and a half thousand people in aviation that are you know, at the moment not doing things but we're getting them to do other things and support the community in a different way it's not their skilled job they were there to do but i'd rather and they would rather be doing something else than doing nothing so i think we'll start to, to come through this i do feel you know globally different countries or you know different storms or different ships in those storms are going about it slightly differently and therefore once we get through um the next phase of the, the social distancing and I think people have got more data uh and, and fact on how this is affecting their um you know their countries we will start to see people um come out if you like um and allow themselves to to start integrating again but I think it my view it'll be in a controlled way which is again in my view the right thing to be doing uh, because it's so many things unknown so I think anybody to call the economy and say we've hit the bottom you know good luck because I don't know I'm not sure anybody does Um, but I think you've got to stop thinking about how are we at the bottom and get on with the now what do we need to do now what's going to put us in the right place when we do come through this how are we going to be when we come through this and what are the opportunities both as an individual as a company as a community as a country that we can do to make things different and to ensure that if we go through these rides up and down are actually in the best position that we can to sustain the longevity of our businesses, our individuals, our families, etc.
0: Somebody said to me that uh, Expo 2020 being delayed is going to cause a problem. I'm like, look, this is Dubai. And in all my years of living in Dubai, they would have been a mad rush to get that finished off at the last minute so that it was ready to go. And now they've got another 12 months, which means I think they might just make it perfect down there with having that extra time to get it done. What do you think about 2020?
1: Look, we're, we're a partner of Expo 2020 and it's been a fantastic journey uh, for the last two years with them uh, getting to the point that, you know, we've got to uh, today. Uh, nothing stopped for us. At the end of the day, you're absolutely right. You know, if we thought it was going to be perfect, uh, when it opened its doors this year, there is no excuse whatsoever now to be delayed for some eighteen months from this moment in time, or a year's delay from the actual opening time. That it isn't beyond perfect. So everybody will be working doubly hard to make sure that this is perfect, beyond perfect. Because if it's not, then we've we've spectacularly failed. Um, but it, you know, it's such an exciting thing to to have been a, a part of and be around, and seeing that thing change every single week and you know certainly from, from my team's perspective are on site living and breathing this it's a phenomenal thing that's I hope going to be almost a celebration of, 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 of the world and what we can come through as we come out of the other side and couple that with with the Olympics next year that you know there's every good reason to be work, um, to, to be looking
0: forward. There's this, this, whatever your fancy, whether it be the golf, the cricket, the tennis, the rugby, the football, no matter what it is, you're going to have so much of that that you're not going to see. And the excitement is just going to be so much more to be able to go and see these tournaments. My, my, My father's 75th birthday present from my mum was to go to Augusta to go and see the Masters. And um, just a week before all the lockdowns happened, he got the gift <laughs> for his birthday. And so he was like, yeah, I can't wait <laughs> to see the Masters. And um, his buddy that lives near, near him as well, they, they were going together. So the, the buddy was 50 and my dad was 75. And it was just like, how cool is that? Off to see the Masters. But now they've got a whole year's build-up before they go to see it. So that's gonna, it's gonna drive them both mad because the excitement's gonna be huge. So I think a lot of people are gonna feel that kind of way, you know. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I'm looking forward, you know, it's the Lions tour next year. Um, you know, I think that will be, you know, I hope it continues and goes ahead in South Africa because um, it's, again, another thing, just another milestone to be working towards and actually aiming for rather than just focusing on, OK, you know, what happened last week? All the numbers are terrible. Right, let, let's start. What what are we going to do when we come through this? Come on, what's post-COVID-19
0: world look like? David, I really appreciate you talking to me and taking some time out. I'm sure if you are at the office, it'd be much, much harder to get your time. So I appreciate you taking time to talk to me today, sharing your thoughts and introducing yourself to this awesome audience that love to listen to entrepreneurs, business leaders, CEOs, share their thoughts in, in, in a real kind of down to earth fashion, which you've done. So I'm very grateful for you doing that. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Spencer, and uh, good luck. Stay safe and stay connected. Excellent stuff. Well, there you go. We've got the awesome David Stockton, CEO of Dolsco. So what did you learn through that conversation? What kind of things did you pick up there? He's a real frank, open-minded, kind of down-to-earth type of chap. And I think sometimes... Okay, the misconceptions about people that are running massive organisations exist. And there you go. That's a prime example of someone that is just like you and me. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Do what you need to do. Go like, subscribe, leave comments, leave recommendations. Let me know how you're enjoying the content that we provide you. And let me know who you think we should get as our next guest on the Spencer Lodge podcast. We'll see you soon, folks.